Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of F and I'm Doing a Podcast. This is Curtis, Wakanda's variant MCU grief counselor talking to you right now. And this is episode 20 of season 5. Season 6 kicks up once again, probably Wednesday. Maybe, uh, possibly Monday or Tuesday. But uh, here we are, it's Sunday. I'm going to be off the next couple of days. And uh, I hope that you're having a great weekend. I hope that you're able to get all you need done, enjoy your time out. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about how I think it was a little too early getting out because of the Delta variant. And I'm going to talk a little bit right now on a lighter note. I'm going to talk about TV and how things are different. Streaming services are everywhere now. Every channel has a streaming service. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, I went from having to convince my wife that we need to get the Peacock to coming home and finding her getting apps because she misses TV. And it's understandable. We, ha- we cut the cord about, oh man, about at least four years ago, three years ago. We cut the cord. And it was the best thing ever because honestly... At first, I wasn't sure how we were going to do it, if we were going to miss it. But I don't miss live TV anymore, really, at all. I miss not being able to watch wrestling like I used to. I miss not being able to, and they have apps too for it, but my wife's not a wrestling fan. and I'm a domesticated husband, so I don't try any pushback over that. I'd rather push back over being able to have the light on, you know, after leaving the room. That, you know marriage shit. But anyway, uh, enough about me. Uh, There's tons of apps for everything. Uh, I've noticed that over the pandemic, I've found myself getting the Tubi app. And the Tubi app, and this is just another little advertisement, if you want to call it that, really has a great selection of films that you're not going to find on Netflix, you're not going to find on Amazon, or you're not going to find on Hulu. A lot of it is old shit. Like, really old shit like the 80s, early 80s shit. Uh, a lot of it is shit that I saw when I was a, I would sneak and watch when I was a little kid uh, or a teen. My, a lot of people talk about their first time when they watched a porno film or when they watched a dirty movie. My, I guess, first time trying to think back on it even as I'm speaking now my first time watching a movie that I knew I wasn't supposed to watch because we've always if you if you're a if you're my age around my age we've all had movies that we were not supposed to watch as children whether they're super violent or highly sexual that we're not supposed to watch and a lot of the highly sexual shit didn't appeal to me for some reason I was like oh okay she's somebody who I'm not attracted to take my clothes off not attracted um I remember watching, I think, I can't say it was Hots, that was my first, my first actual major porno film, or major porno film, major uh, film that was more about sex than it was about horror uh, films, because we see nudity in horror films, I saw nudity in horror films as a kid and it blew my mind, I was, I, my parents took me to see American Wolf in London, and 
it they didn't expect it to be hyper violent as it was. They didn't expect a sex scene in the middle of it involving a shower, which is probably why I my search my searches on certain sites are involving showers. But anyway, that's enough. That's enough about that. But uh, there was this scene. There was a shower scene, and that was the first time I saw two people having sex, and my mind was blown. And my mom had her hand over my eyes not to see, and I got a good peek because she didn't close her hand, not realizing it. She was thinking she was doing a good job, and I kind of shifted a little bit, and I was able to see what I needed to see. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty awesome. But overall, it's an amazing movie, beyond all that. But uh, I would say it was that. There's a film that's 80, it's an 80s film called Hots. I don't know if it's on Tubi. I think I checked a few months ago and I didn't see it. Uh, that I think was my first foray into seeing comedies where it was, or the traditional sex comedies. The 80s, if the 80s were a wild time, they got away with a lot of shit. Some of it was problematic, some misogynistic, some of it was just having fun and not taking everything fucking seriously but uh i want to say it was a great time in a way if you're a 12 year old 10 year old kid you know discovering yourself and also discovering and getting getting interested in the girls beyond your star wars toys and your he-man toys uh you were more concerned about girls and i remember Finding out about, I remember, I remember finding out about this film on accident. I I was up late. It was a weekend. I just happened to be up. I had my toys. Uh, my my mom was playing cards or dominoes in another room. That particular weekend before all our cousins came over, and became kind of a traditional thing. It was just me and one of my other cousins, and we're just kind of like just playing and all of a sudden we decided to go to change a couple of channels and we moved it another notch to showtime because they had showtime and boom there there was big breasted woman in a t-shirt barely holding it barely holding into it and i was like oh my god i didn't say oh my god i was completely silent i was like we kind of looked at you like we kind of looked back to see if anyone was watching and there was nobody watching and then all of a sudden, we kept looking back. We kept it on. We kept looking back to see if anybody was coming through the door. We kept looking back. The slightest sound, we kept looking back. We hear somebody coming, and we immediately move it to nothing else. And then we start acting like we're playing again. That, that's how we watched movies like that as a kid. And, and I was like, oh, my God. Did you see that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And... It was something that we didn't talk about at school because I I don't remember ever having a conversation uh, in seventh grade or sixth grade about, man, did you see what I watched over the weekend? You know, we didn't have conversations. Or I didn't have friends like had conversations like that. Friends were more geek than me in some ways. Uh, no, that was our private that was our private shame that we were watching it. And then all of a sudden it became something that, well, it's not we can watch it at home we can do what happened we can do the same thing that we did here we can do it at home so i would you know pretend i was going to sleep when i got a tv in my room 
and it had cable. Oh my God. I would pretend that I was tired or something, or I'm going to play video games, and I'd go play video games, but I would make sure that that dial, as soon as I cut it off the video game, was on Showtime or something. I remember watching John Biner's Bazaar, which was like a, which was like an American version of Benny Hill, a crude American version of it, uh, where... It seemed like every segment a woman took the top off or something. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's that's it was that was the early '80s where Showtime was all about what sex shows they could put on instead of move, regular movies. And uh, there was Hots. I remember Hots. There was a uh, Dixie Dynamite. There was an, there was another uh, movie. I think it was Cloris Leachman movie with, that that was kind of a comedy action movie. Uh, there was a uh, Oh my god, there was, I remember private school, there was private school, private lessons, uh, losing it, uh, uh, loose screws, loose screws, the plot for loose screws is misogynistic and problematic and will never, you'll never see, a can, it was a Canadian movie, you'll never see Canada's go, can, Canadians go, you know what would be a really great movie, a good comedy we could bring back? Let's bring back loose screws. It has such a aged well plot involving a couple of horny teenagers doing a creating a plot to prank a pristine Christian girl into showing off her body by rigging up some gear that that took her clothes off it was not entertaining to me even at that age and even now I discussing it with you I feel like I need to take a shower. Uh, but losing it was one of them. Uh, there was hot resort. There was a there was private resort. Yeah, once once they realized they had a formula, it seemed like everybody and their grandmother during that time had their own movies. For every hot resort, there was at least five uh, private resorts that followed it. For every hot, there was a. Uh, there was something else that was going on to entice people and bring them in. Forever, uh, for every uh, Night Eyes, I remember Night Eyes. I did find Night Eyes three, but they don't have the really great, really good uh, first and second one that had. Uh, I think Shannon Tweed was uh, a major star in that. Shannon Tweed, uh, she's amazing. She's still hot, uh, but I remember watching that and going, "Oh my God, Shannon Tweed!" But. Uh, I, I think Night Eyes had like I think there was at least five Night Eyes movies before they gave it up. But the king, when it comes to just gratuitous nudity, throwing in some action scenes with shoot 'em ups, someone who realized I'm gonna combine your standard Chuck Norris action with a sex comedy, but it'll be a little more edgier. There won't be comedy; it'll just be blatant sex. And a Playboy video. And it's going to be called. Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Andy Sidaris. I would love to see them do a documentary on Andy Sidaris. Because I've heard shit. I. That I know of. He's not the greatest person in the world. But I would be. I would love to find. I would love for Netflix or somebody. To do a documentary on Andy Sidaris. Discuss with the stars of this of his movies Eric Estrada was in one of his movies for Christ's sake Pat Morita was in one of his movies for Christ's sake uh, 
I would love to see an Andy Sadar's documentary detailing every single film that came out. Uh, there was Hard Ticket to Hawaii. And behind that, hard, after Hard Ticket to Hawaii, there was at least, uh, shit, there was at least eight or nine or even 12. I remember Tubi has almost all of them or the, has all of them that I can think of. I started kind of, I started going through my searches and going, okay, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this. And then I go, oh my God, I forgot there was a movie called Guns. He had a movie called Guns with a box, VHS box cover that had a woman that was well endowed and the Guns title was right under, right under her, her breast. And that was the video enticement kind of thing. And man, those Andy Sadar's movies were insane. Uh, but uh, the thing about uh, the Andy Sadar's movies, and I know I'm going on a tangent now, but the Andy Sadar's movies had their own. The they were like the Fast and the Furious universe. The Fast and the Furious uh, paved the way, or not? Andy Sadar's films paved the way, so you could get the no nudity Andy Sadar's on a million levels of action um, because they didn't they didn't flow together they didn't have their own universe they didn't flow together they had their own fractured kind of universe because Mount Hard Ticket to Hawaii uh, no Mount, there was Mount, Malibu Express and then the cousin of the main character from Hard Ticket to Hawaii was in Mal was in Hard was in uh, you know what I mean was in the other film and then all of a sudden they realized the two women that we have in here are really why people are coming on board. And those ladies ended up staying in the film, or the, one of the main ones anyway, the, one of the main blind ones whose name escapes me, I'm sorry. Uh, she stayed in the film, I, she stayed in this series of film, Andy Sadar's films, for at least four. The other one, I guess, ducked out because this is bullshit and ducked out. There was, a, there was some other problematic stuff that's even what they're trying to do for comedy. There was one scene where the sleazy director in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, I think, where the sleazy director was talking to the main character and made a comment about uh, how, oh, you should be back in my movies. And she made a comment about how his hand was in her, was on her, was stuck up her ass, you know, shit like that. And I was like, that's your idea of comedy? Jesus Christ. But that's that was the level of the Andy Sadar's films. It's probably why now I can watch Fast and Furious and just enjoy it or watch Transformers and just enjoy it because when people go oh my god this is the most stupidest shit I've ever seen and I'm sitting there going no it's not you don't know Andy Sadar's you will never know Andy Sadar's films you don't know stupid shit till you've seen it so go get back in that crib. but um, that's how I discovered you know uh, that's how I saw my first cinematic nudity and you know it was pretty crazy I, I was a nerd forever you know uh, I uh, real talk here I made through high school uh, without having sex with a single person and that's pretty insane but when your mom is the head of the band boosters uh, any hookup for four years was on lock so uh I had to do some catching up out of it after getting out of high school. But, um, enough about me. But these films 
were amazing. If you if you want to check these movie films out because they're so bad they're good, one day I'm gonna have like a marathon of these Andy Sedaris films and give my commentary on 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 YouTube, uh, not YouTube, but on a podcast or on Twitter. But they're insane. The plotline device and how they get where they're going is insane. The hard ticket to why one involved a snake that got out of a box that this, that attacked people. All of a sudden, the snake was suddenly anaconda, and he was killing people. It was ridiculous. But I would love to interview one day a cast member from the hard ticket, the Andy Sidaris films, and really get insight on why they were a part of it, what they hated about it, and what they loved about it. Because Andy Sidaris films were kind of like a little little moment in time when uh, action films were more sex-driven than they were plot-driven. And that was a golden age for a lot of us. Uh, the 80s themselves are a golden age. There's a reason why everyone gravitates back to the 80s, because the 80s was such a golden fucking time. The 90s wanted to be the 80s. I can tell you right now, and I swear on it, there is not a single 90s movie that comes close to the 80s films. There's not. There's just, there's just, there's not, and there never fucking will be. I challenge you to say, well, what about this? No. Well, what about uh, Scream? This is going to be an unpopular opinion here, but Scream is great. It's an amazing film, but there wouldn't be a scream if there wasn't Friday the 13th, Halloween, Last House on the Left, He Knows You're Alone, When a Stranger Calls. They paved the way for Scream. Everyone can say what they want to say, but but Scream's a better film. I'm Carpenter of a Wes Craven every day. I'm sorry. I love Wes Craven. Nightmare on Elm Street is a classic. The original is so solid and mean, but that's that's a whole other debate altogether. But anyway, we'll discuss that debate later on. But and we'll discuss the other part I was going to talk about because I got on this rant. Sorry, but this is episode. What did I say? Twenty. This is it for the finale of season five of Effort. I'm doing a podcast. I'm Wakanda's variant MCU grief counselor, and we will talk again shortly.